What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Spectators. It is episode 157. That is a lot of episodes, and this is a lot of man I have with me. I got my boy Brooklyn and my boy Aiden here with us in the studio, and we are going to be talking about this new week in the NFL. We have the MLB playoffs coming up, which is exciting. The NBA is around the corner. Hockey's around the corner. College football's in high demand. Like, we got some good stuff. Also, the World Cup's coming up soon, which Can't you'll get some... That. You'll get some good uh, coverage of that once that gets a little bit closer. It, and, it is and a world way, baseball, though. world baseball classic right after that in March. It's it's an exciting time to be a sports fan. It really is. And then like you say March, and then you know that means we got college basketball too. So this is the beginning. If you guys are not ready for all the sports coming up, you better buckle in because it, it's about to get hot. It's about to get spicy. And now I'm gonna talk about the sports. <laughs> Um, so today we're doing some overreactions or not, not an overreaction. So we're going to give you a take and then the rest of us are going to answer whether we think that's an overreaction or not. And this is, this could be fun because there's going to be some nonsense. There's going to be some non-nonsense. And since, uh, we haven't had Aiden on in a while, I'm going to have him take the reins, start us off. What is your first take? Cooper Rush should be the starting quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. I, lo- I always love this overreaction. <laughs> I love this. I think last week they asked Jerry, and they're like, do you have a quarterback controversy? He was like, anyway, I'm happy we had a good win. <laughs> and he left or something like that. <laughs> or it, was, it wasn't Jerry. It was McCarthy. Um, I think there's a legitimate reason to think that this is not an overreaction. I mean, Dak is a much better quarterback. That's not really the the question here, right? Yeah. But Cooper Rush is 4-0. And three of these wins are against division rivals. And, I mean, Cooper Rush looked, has looked very good in his time. He's not just relying on the running game. He's finding his receivers, and he's not relying on one target like Dak always does. It's not the Dak and Zeke show. It is the whole team putting it together. And I also think with the sort of injuries Dak has had in the past – Cooper Rush is showing that he's more mobile and he might be the next Red Rocket. I mean, he's got the red hair, might be, you know, taking yeah. over the reins from Andy Dalton, hopefully with more playoff luck. But, you know, it's, I think Cooper Rush right now, I trust him over Dak. In terms of winning games, especially, um, I, again, like I said, Dak's a better player. He just is. He's a better player. He's a better yeah. quarterback. He's a better arm. Uh, but with the injury history, like, do you trust a guy who's played six football games in the last 24 months? I don't know. Not, not at all. I don't know. Not at all. And, I mean, you would think the smart thing to do is go with the hot hand, and that's why I don't think it's an overreaction. But with how Jerry is and the Cowboys, I don't feel like they keep Cooper in there once Dak is healthy. I really don't. Yeah. I feel I- like they just go with the – this has been our guy, whether he's been on the field or not. This is our guy. We give him the bucks, the big bucks. We want him on the field. So that's who we're going with. Yeah, and unfortunately, just... that's going to be the downfall for them because yeah. I do think you ride the hot hand right now as long as you can. And I mean, hey, last three games, he's put up 200 plus yards every game yeah. and he's getting them wins. So it's like. And, and obviously, it's not the same situation because he's not as much of a veteran. But it, it, it gives me flashbacks to when Jameis Winston was suspended the first four games and Ryan Fitzmagic took over in Tampa Bay, yeah. and he looked really, really strong, and there were conversations. Do you leave Fitzpatrick in there for the for the rest of the season? That There were those conversations, and I feel like if you're the Cowboys right now, maybe it gives you some pressure and you can take the pressure off Dak to have to return right away. But at the end of the day, I think this allows Cooper Rush to get paid in the offseason by some team, a – uh, I hate to say it this way because they're playing well, but a Detroit Lions S team, maybe a you know uh, a good backup in in somewhere like that. Maybe he goes to like a Miami or a, or a Browns, where you know there's always going to be an opportunity of some form in some shape. Yep. That maybe that's where he gets his opportunity. Or if, I hate to say this too, send him to the Giants. Let him start for the Giants. You seeing what he's doing he's against you in Daniel the division? Jones. He's better than Daniel Jones. Than Daniel Jones. Why not give him a shot if you're a division opponent? Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I think this next two weeks are going to be super telling. The Cowboys 
by all means should lose these next two games against the Rams and the Eagles with the backup quarterback. And if he goes into LA and, and or into Philly, imagine if he does both. If he goes into LA and Philly and wins, there's not a conversation. If he does both oh, of no. those and that comes back and takes this spot, this, this organization in Dallas is poverty and doesn't deserve the happiness that they've enjoyed over that five week win streak. Uh, I don't think they'll do it, but like that's, that's going to be the narrative there. So no, that's a, that's a great one to start off on. Yeah. Uh, Brooke, what you got for me? So this one, you got to look at the schedule, right? Right now they're four and oh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay. Is there a chance that they can go undefeated this season? Looking at their schedule. It's right, not, well, let's go. Look. It's not strong. It's not strong. They got the Cardinals coming up and then they got the Cowboys. Like you said, two, two decently tough games, but they, they very much could pull them out. They get a bye week. They get the Steelers, the Texans, the Commanders, the Colts, Packers, Titans, Giants, Bears, Cowboys, Saints, Giants again. Okay, I'm looking at no. this. I'm I looking don't at think this. Yeah, nobody's going to go 17 of those. 17 games is too much. But this is the easiest schedule I've ever seen. And so if there's an opportunity for a team to win another 13 consecutive games, if they can get past this Cardinals game, because I think the Cardinals are a little bit better than we want to give them credit for. Yeah. And then the the main one that you have circled, there's a two-week stretch. They have the Packers at home and the Titans at home. Having them both at home is very good because Philly is Mm -hmm. one of those stadiums where home field really matters. Um, yeah. I'm going to say it's an overreaction because it's just not going to happen. Yeah. But if it's week 14 <laughs> and then you ask me this again, it's happening. <laughs> it's, because you, you can imagine there's going to be a weird game against like the Texans or the commanders yeah, where, yeah. where they're just going to come out hot. But the, it's a really cupcake schedule when you really look at it. Yeah. The schedule sucks. I, so, like, I, if, I if it happens, it, it definitely is, but I I would not be surprised. <laughs> you, you look at it, it's definitely an overreaction. Yeah. But I think, like, going off of that, you know, they're a good team. They're a good football team. I think Jalen Hurts and Tua Tugavailoa are breaking the stigma that Alabama quarterbacks cannot perform in the at the NFL level. They're starting to break that stigma that, you know, you saw with guys like A.J. McCarron and things like that who were absolute studs for Alabama there. So, but what I think at the end of the day, they're going to win this division. That there's no question in my mind that they're going to win that. I think division. they already won it. They're four and zero. The question, <laughs> the question is, is that I don't know that they can do it in the playoffs. I feel like we talk about the Eagles outside of 2018. They're known to choke in the playoffs. And if you have to come up against a playoff polished team in, you know, a, a team like the Rams or the 49ers or the Bucks or the Packers even or the Vikings even, you're going to struggle. In that matchup, hey, don't put so my Vikings I just in there. We don't. Get wa- we get waxed by the Eagles every time we play them. Don't put my Vikings in there. <laughs> <laughs> don't put my Vikings. But, but, but what I'm saying is, a team that has playoff experience yeah. like that, I think they're going to struggle. So, do I think the Eagles are a good football team and do have the opportunity to go maybe 12 and five, 13 and four? Yes, they're not going to go undefeated, and I don't know if they can do it in the playoffs. Okay, fair enough. I think I did say I had them in the Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken, bro. Right? Or did I say the 49ers? I- I don't know if you did, but I did. Okay. I, I have them in the I might have said the 49ers, which is looking like a horrible take right now. But I had I had Chargers, Eagles. So. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't our true prediction, sadly. It was kind of the off-the-cuff ones. Because I did say Broncos, but that was just like, a, hey, let's be a little different. Um, my, uh, boy, and that's... Uh, my that's official just, prediction... In, and I wasn't on here, but my official prediction was Chargers-Bucks. That oh, was my Super Bowl prediction. Okay. The Chargers are not going to look like a Super Bowl team, sadly. With uh, all the injuries. no, but at the but, beginning of the season, I was yeah. I mean, on paper they should be, and they played great. Just like the the injuries are going to be too much for a full season. Um, yeah. but we're gonna say because I did mention on that episode that I thought the Broncos were going to be a really good team and potentially have a good second half to go into a playoff run, which is this is kind of the season that I expected out of them, right? But overreaction: the Denver Broncos have the worst. Skills position players in the NFL. Wide receiver, running back, tight end. I think with the loss of their of their running back with the ACL tear, uh, I, I think I don't think it's an overreaction anymore. 
Um, before this, I would have said, yeah, slightly an overreaction because I, I look around the league. There's I, some, I there's the some bad units. <laughs> there's some bad yeah. units. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. What does Pittsburgh really have? Uh, I mean, if, if we really want to look at it. I, mean, I like Deontay Chicago, better than anybody there. Chicago's definitely in the bottom tier of that, though. I mean, New England has nothing. Washington has nothing. So, like, you know, you look at these teams, and but but it's just like it's one of those things I think they're definitely close if they're not the worst. But it, it's – I don't think that's an overreaction. I think the Broncos, you know, Russ in his country of riding, it, this is just not their season. They need to make some – adjustments in this offseason and with the draft they need to make some some big adjustments i think it's a little yeah. early for that because it's only four games in and they're two and two like i don't think it's it's a new offense it's a new head coach a brand new quarterback like there's adjusting to be made you would hope it'll be made by now but there's adjusting to be made i just think like watching i've watched two broncos games almost fully right i saw some catches last night that were dropped by four or five different guys in the Broncos. I'm like, bro, <laughs> those are our difficult catches. And it, it, it's making Russ look worse than he is, which he hasn't been fantastic yet, but it's no. making him look worse. So. Yeah. That's, that's a tough one. Yeah. So okay. back to me. Yes, sir. All right. The Detroit Lions will not finish last in the NFC North. I mean, I don't, I don't third, think, I don't think that's an overreaction. I think they have the best offense in the NFC North. Uh, well, they have the best offense in the league. Let's throw that out there. Uh, four sure. weeks then, in. Then allow me, allow me for this overreaction. Okay. I'll change it up. Okay. Lions finish above 500. No. I don't. I, I, I think that's an overreaction. Um, yeah, I think they're here, right under yeah, and, and here's why. Again, their their offense is fantastic, and they've been scoring 35 every game, right? That's just Which is crazy. That doesn't happen for a bad team. But you can't give up 38, 36, 28, 48, and expect to win football games. You can't give up 48 points at home versus Geno Smith. That's not an over 500 team. That's just not. And, and I do no. think that... They have some tough games on the schedule too. They got to play um, the Dolphins. They got to play the Bills. They got to play the Vikings again. They got the Packers again. I think even the Jets might be a hard matchup for them. Uh, yeah, it's tough. And the Jaguars, they got to play too. Don't sleep on the Jags this year. I mean, those two teams are actually really similar to me. Um, I think they'll be under 500, and I think it'll almost be like intentional. <laughs> and then next year will kind of be like the really good year. But, um, they have a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball, and I love it. And I also think on the defensive side, we sleep on them a little bit. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson has shown why he was yep. as high of a draft pick as he was, not just for the Michigan connection, but he has played extremely well on the defensive side of the ball. And I think Jeff Okuda has been you know, amazing too. Jeff Okuda has been great. I think with some minor adjustments on the defensive side, and obviously you've got probably who I'd say a top five personality of a head coach in the NFL right yeah. now. And yeah. he's a very good head coach coaching-wise as well. You're setting yourself up for success. I think until they upgrade from Jared Goff at quarterback, they won't really be able to get over that hump. But until then, they're going to get themselves real close. And, you know, I, I've slandered Jared Goff a lot on this show, outside <laughs> of the show, all that. Play. I want to give Play. Jared Goff a lot of credit. He has been – nothing short of just very good. Like he's been really good this year. He hasn't made yeah. too many bad throws. He hasn't cost them games by throwing picks. The reason they've lost is just they're giving up 48 points. Like it's not so much on his side of the ball. They lost a game yesterday where they scored 45. They scored I think 45. Jimmy Garoppolo ends up in Detroit. I hope I that, think that's I hope that isn't the case. Spot. I think Jared Goff's better. I think we've always compared the two. I think Jared Goff's better. He's had better highs. The lows might have been lower, but he's never been as mid consistently as Jimmy Garoppolo. That's fair. There was, also, there was a game that uh, – sorry to cut you off real quick, but there was a game yeah. three years ago, maybe four, for the Rams. And this was back when they were uh, still in their white uniforms, and the white horns, so they didn't even do the rebrand yet. And I saw Jared Goff throw for like 485 touchdowns with like a perfect passer rating and like 80% completion. And I saw that. I'm like, he has that in him? 
<laughs> I mean, Jared Goff is averaging 281.5 yards per game. He's got a QB rating this year of 99 point or a QBR of 67.2, a uh, a passer rating of of a uh, 99.9. He's only got a 3.2 sack percentage. I mean, you look at it, he's 92 of 151 for 60% on completion. 11 tutties to three interceptions. It's a pretty good year. He's having himself a season. It's a pretty good year. That's what I'm saying. Like, I want to give him credit because he, he has been, I mean, everybody thought he was going to be horrible. Yeah. So. Absolutely. And I mean, you look at the Lions right now, they're only a couple of points each game from being undefeated themselves. Yep. The first game, 38-35, they lose to the Eagles. They now, I will, I will say a lot of those games were comebacks, right? Like, or the last two. Yep. They, they were down to the Eagles by, like, 22. They were down to the Seahawks by, like, 22. Yep. So, like, it gets closer because prevent defenses on all that. But that, still. That's, yeah. But then 28-24 and then 48-45. So, it's like just being able to be that close regardless of what you got to do to get there. For a team like this, where everybody thinks they're just going to be poverty and down and out from kickoff, it's impressive. It is. So. No, I, I agree. I, I don't think they'll hit that 500 this year. I think that's an overreaction, but it's very easy to see the future for them. And they got some sick unis. Those gray unis are some of my favorites in the NFL. Yeah, blue and gray goes hard. Dude. Yeah. It does. All right, Brooke. Is it an overreaction to think that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to win their division? I don't think it's a reaction overreaction at all. And I think who's that's the Colts division, right? With the Titans. Yeah, Tennessee, Jacksonville, and Indy. Yeah. I think if you're if you look at Vegas, it's probably still the Titans, and that's very fair. Especially with Derrick Henry figuring it out yesterday. Derrick Henry looked fantastic. He looked like King Henry. It's nice to see he's not fully cooked yet. He still has it in the tank. Um yeah. if he's gonna do that, the Jaguars aren't winning this division. But, but the Jaguars have the best offensive scheme in the division. They have the best quarterback in the division, which is crazy. To, that, that's disgusting. <laughs> I, I, I hate that sentence. It's disgusting. Because uh, because Matt Ryan is in that division, and the amount he's tortured the Bucks over the years, like it hurts me to say. Dude, and like Matt Ryan I don't think Dinks. And I don't think Tannehill is as I don't think Tannehill is as washed as he as people say he is. No, I just no. think he lost that wide receiver one weapon that he's had, yeah, you know, yeah, when he was with the Dolphins, yeah. it was Devontae Parker, you know, in previous years, it's been what? Uh, AJ Brown. AJ Brown. Yeah. And this year, what? He's got Adam Humphreys as his top receiver. Traylon Burks is like going to be good, but he's still a rookie. But, but he's not there yet. So he's showing that, you know, he's relied on the running game with Derrick Henry and people are starting to figure out Derrick Henry's game. Okay. And you've relied on that wide receiver one in the past, wherever you've been a quarterback, that not having that is starting to show. I don't think Ryan Tannehill is necessarily a bad quarterback, and I think him and Trevor sort of battle it out for the number one quarterback in that position. However, I don't think that's an overreaction. I think that the way they're mixing their defense, their offense, especially in the running back position, and the way their their defense has been playing as of late, and in a really weak division that is running back heavy, and you're showing that you can do it both passing and running the ball. I think the Jaguars could have made their biggest their biggest flip, and I think I saw that against the Eagles when they played probably some of their best football. Yes, they came up a little bit short, but Doug Peterson has a history of winning. You can't argue with a coach who has a history of winning, yep. and Trevor Lawrence in his second year under an actual NFL scheme, not Urban Meyer's, you know, <laughs> whatever. whatever the hell he was playing. Whatever, no. but, but with with all that said – and the fact that you're still mixing in guys like Travis Etienne, who's coming back stronger and stronger and stronger every week, this Jaguars team could be a force to be reckoned with. And if they're hot leading into the playoffs, they could make a small little run. Yeah, it's crazy what a change of culture can do for a franchise. Yeah, and and one thing that happened with them last week, they they only lost to the Eagles by a touchdown. Right, it was an eight point game at the end of it. Their offense was not very good. This is the first game that Jacksonville's offense wasn't great. They actually started off hot too. They're up fourteen zero. They were missing their wide receiver one, which I know it should be Christian Kirk. They paid them the big money. Don't care. It's Zay Jones. Zay Jones is the wide receiver one. He wasn't playing in this game. That's a big deal. Imagine the Eagles go into a game without A.J. Brown. Like, that's a big deal. So, for a team that nobody expected much from, they're 2-2. Two and two. I think there's a chance that they make the playoffs. Whether, I mean, whether you, it's with the division yeah. or not, I think there's a chance they make the playoffs. I look at the defensive side of the ball, and the fact of the matter is 
you've got guys who you weren't exactly thinking are going to be contributing as much as they are, who are contributing. Two picks from Devin Lloyd and Andre Sisco. You got a pick from Rayshon Jenkins and Tyson Campbell as well. You got a pick from Travion Walker, who we expected at the outside linebacker position. And then when you talk about, you know, any sort of QB hits, I mean, Okaloon, I believe is how you pronounce it, is there. Josh Allen is obviously, he's a, he's you know, he's yeah. been. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just pr- pretty insane what, what we're seeing on that side of the ball. And I think what the fact of the matter is, is that you look at the rushing attempts this year, sort of, you've got obviously James Robinson, but then you got Travis Etienne, who the two of them can, can be players together. You look at the receiving side and you've had Jamal Agnew, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, and Evan Ingram, who we forget is there sometimes. You've also got Marvin Jones, who's been there as well. And so you've got four, three to four good receivers. And then you got Trevor Lawrence, who's averaging 236 yards a game and a 65.7% completion rate, eight, eight touchdowns to two interceptions. It, it's a team that, that if they get hot, you got to be careful. The one thing that I'll finish this Jaguar talk with is that Trevor Lawrence before last season never lost. He's a winner. <laughs> he's, he's straight up a yeah. winner. And and this is a guy that's not going to want to lose. So I, I'll, I'll take money on a winner as opposed to guys like Tannehill, who we've seen in the playoffs, who they're given the keys to not lose. You I also think I mean? when you're talking about – that too. He's played on the biggest stage yep. on that ESPN yep. with 20 million and viewers in, in the pack. Yeah. And he's balled out. Thousand. So he's built for it. There's no stage too big for Trevor Lawrence. When you talk about a guy I like, I, I hate going back to this, but you talk about a guy like, let's say Jared Goff. He played at what? North Dakota. He played at Cal. Cal he never really yeah. made it anywhere big. Uh, you talked about, you know, a guy like Carson Wentz when he was in the big time, played at North Dakota State. Yeah. I mean, Brady at Michigan never really did much, but he's obviously risen to the biggest stage. But there are guys like that who you're like, okay, they didn't really play big, and you saw that in their first playoff experience. But you can't teach experience in big games that Trevor Lawrence has. Yeah. So they got to get I mean, how many times has he gone against Alabama or Ohio State with some of the best? Of- every year. <laughs> every, every, every single year. Yeah. So again, he's a winner, and that's pretty cool. Um, I want an overreaction. I'm trying to figure out which because I had a couple of them. I had a couple. Oh yeah, easy overreaction. <laughs> and I know this is what you guys are gonna say, but <sighs> the NFC East, the beast, this is the best division of football. The Eagles are four and zero. The Cowboys are three and one. The Giants are three and one. I think records-wise, yes. Talent-wise, I look at the either AFC West, AFC East as as two better divisions, or even the NFC West. The those three divisions all are better to me. I mean, record-wise, who have they really played? That that's my thing too. Like a lot of these teams haven't necessarily played anyone too too special. But I think that that's an overreaction. I don't think it's the best division in football. I don't think we'll ever be saying the NFC East is the best division in football <laughs> if you've got the Washington Commanders in your team and the New York Choking Giants. Hey, they're three and one, dude. Shout out to everybody in the division. Three of them are doing their thing. Washington has yeah. had whatever. No, Washington's doing there. their thing but, exactly what we yeah. expect. Yeah, they're dead. They're, they're, they're doing their thing. Yeah, but definitely an overreaction. AFC West. I, you still got to put as the best in, in football right now. Okay. Okay. Just, I just want to throw that out there. They have the most yeah. wins in the NFL as a, as a division. I, I like it, though. I, 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 it, I like it, it though. It's, it's important to say. Uh, do we have any other NFL takes we want to I got. I got one more. Okay. I got one more. Sure. And, and this is going to be a little homer, and, and I'm waiting for you to hear it. All right? Okay. Outside of this game against the Chiefs, before this game against the Chiefs, the Bucks defense was showing that it was a top five in NFL history. That's fine, but this game against the Chiefs happened, okay. so I don't care. But you're fine, right. Fine. Even I with could, the game I against get, the Chiefs, because they had a. Even with the game against the Chiefs, because because there's always the in in no matter what defense, there's always a team that has a bad bad game. But this Bucks defense, when it's all said and done, is going to be a top five defense of all time. This is this game's gonna be hard to oh. overcome, is what I'll say. Um, and here's here's why: because their bread and butter is rushing, right? That that's the Bucks' bread and butter. They stopped the rush. They gave up almost 200 rushing yards yesterday. 
And it's a long season. It's 17 games. We'll forget about this by week 15. I mean, we won't because this is a, allegedly a Super Bowl like matchup that could happen. I mean, it's a Super Bowl rematch, right? Rematch. Um, I don't know. The Bucks defense is fantastic. I think Logan Ryan's a dog. They they got me one point on fantasy and a top five defense <laughs> of all time. Doesn't do that. Doesn't give, it yeah. doesn't do that. Yeah. I, it, <laughs> the before this game, I agree. It, it, this is a tough one to overcome. But they literally got, they they had thirty fantasy points last week. Yeah. They had one. So hold on, I'll, I'll, I'm going to take a look at something real quick because okay. another Buccaneers team that was considered a top five defense of all time. I Okay. If I'm if I'm not mistaken. In terms of they, yards in this game, though, they didn't give up that much in, in general. But the Bucks played against in in 2002, which is widely considered a top defense. Week nine against the Minnesota Vikings gave up 30, uh, gave up 24 points. Okay. It's not that much. That was the. That's that the was highest? the second highest. No, the second highest. The other one was 26 in week one to New Orleans. They gave up 20 points. One, two, three, four, five times. They gave up 20 or more points five times. This is the first time the Bucs have given up more, more than, than 20 points. More than 15. More than 15 this entire season. It was 41, though. Yeah, It was that, 41. That, that, but you take that and average it out. Over, Yeah, over, over the average of the season, we'll see. Um they do have a tough schedule, so we'll, we'll kind of get a feel. We'll get a better feel at the end of it all. Um, yeah. Because guess what? They go to L.A. <laughs> so they might put up another 41 going to L.A. Like, I don't know. Also, part of this being at home, giving up 41, I think is like the real stinker here. Like, you're on your own turf with on Sunday Night Football. It's Mahomes. I'm not mad at it. I'm not. I mean, Mahomes made what three passes that probably should have never gone. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that was, the touchdown where Mahomes was like sacked, got out of it, pump fake throw. Like that's Mahomes. Like he's the best. That's why he's yeah. maybe one of the best to ever do it because of that. So yeah. um, I'm not mad at the loss. I'm mad at the score. Yeah. Brooke, you got any more? Um, is Saquon Barkley gonna win the rushing title this year? No, overreaction. No, overreaction. No. Overreaction. Okay. Yeah, overreaction. Okay. You know what I think is more likely than Saquon winning it? This what? is this is a this is a spicy take. I think it's more likely. I don't think either will. It's more likely that Cordero Patterson wins the rushing title than Saquon Barkley. I don't hate that. Well, isn't a he has more explosion. He gets less touches, but he gets just bigger plays. The only reason that he's not first in the league is right now is because Atlanta has to come back every game because their offense in total is terrible, and their team is terrible. So, I saw I something before we started that um, Cordell is going to be out. I I didn't see that. If he's out, then that's tough, and he's not doing that. But <laughs> all right, so Cordero Patterson's actually out for games because of his knee so he is not going to be getting the rushing title he is not going to be getting the rushing title <laughs> and i i do think saquon does have a legitimate chance of, so if he, he stays healthy obviously he's that, a that's good a big chunk over anybody else besides nick chubb so i mean unless somebody pops off which somebody will pop off so there's going to be a 200 yard game or close to it looming in the shadows but shout out to saquon for for the true comeback hey and the giants are three and one so That'll work. True but that. while we talk about the Giants being 3-1 and Saquon Barkley, my boy Gerard knows all about the fantasy stuff, and he's going to let you know who had the best weeks and who you should be trying to go get in the coming weeks. Gerard, What's up, spectators? Him. It's your boy Gerard, and we're back again with another episode of Fantasy Corner. I just wanted to apologize for last week because I was feeling really under the weather, and I was not able to get you guys a video. But we're back changing that this week so let's go ahead and get to it qb1 for this week was jared goff jared goff at 378 passing yards four touchdowns for a total of 32.2 fantasy points our qb number two was geno smith it's crazy jared goff and geno smith one and two insane 320 passing yards two touchdowns for a total of 31 fantasy points and our qb number three danger russ 
237 yards, two passing touchdowns for 27.5 fantasy points. Running back one, Austin Eckler, finally got it going. Um, he had 49 receiving yards, he had 60 rushing yards, he had two total touchdowns on the day for 35 fantasy points. Running back number two is Damian Pierce. Welcome to the party. 131 rushing yards, a touchdown for 34.9 fantasy points. He also had eight receptions in there, so that helped boost his stats a little bit. Running back number three is Josh Jacobs. He had himself a day, 144 rushing yards, and I believe two touchdowns on the day for 34.5 fantasy points. Wide receiver one is Justin Jefferson. Uh, he had 147 yards in the air, 10 catches for 31 fantasy points. Looks like he got it back together. Mike Evans is wide receiver number two. Um, he had 103 yards off of eight catches and two touchdowns for 30 fantasy points. And Tyreek Hill had 160 yards off of 10 catches for 25.9 fantasy points. If you're looking for some free agent help to help you out with the rest of the season, here's a couple guys that I've been looking at and people that I'm considering adding on my team. Um, first off, we have Mike Boone. Mike Boone is the third string running back for the Denver Broncos. If you haven't seen, Javante Williams went down with a knee injury. The Broncos believe it's very serious. Um, Melvin Gordon can't hold on to the football, so Mike Boone might get more touches than you would normally expect with Melvin Gordon there, but he is a good add. Just like if you need a running back depth and someone you can see down the road playing, look at Mike Boone. Um, if you're looking for some quarterback help, I got two for you. Um, Jared Goff is quarterback number five through four weeks of play in fantasy football. Um, that Lions offense is crazy that they're the number, the, the number one scoring offense in the league, even though they're one and three. I'm also looking to add Kenny Pickett. Um, Kenny Pickett looks like it's his time to shine. He had two rushing touchdowns. He also threw three picks, but one of them was like an end zone heave at the end of the game. And the other two were just rookie mistakes. So if he has a week under practice, look to pick him up and maybe play him if you're like struggling in quarterback, but not this week because they play the Bills. Um, Mac Hollins, I'm looking to add him. The Las Vegas Raiders and targets. Um, outside of Devontae Adams and since Devontae Adams and Derek Carr they got it going last week but he's a good assurance policy so look at him I'm also looking at Zay Jones um, from the Jacksonville Jaguars if he's on your waiver wires I would look to pick him up um, in his last eight games he's had at least eight targets or more uh, Trevor Lawrence loves Zay Jones so and he had a really good end of the season last year in Las Vegas so he didn't play this last week, but going forward, he's a good add as well. Also, don't forget to add Josh Reynolds. He had a really good day for the Lions yesterday. And if Amon Ross St. Brown and D Swift and DJ Chark, if they miss any more time, Josh Reynolds is the clear number one target in that offense. So go ahead and pick him up just in case, because you never know. And he can be a quick plug and play for the upcoming weeks. Well, that's it for Fantasy Corner. We have a huge game tonight. We have the Los Angeles Rams facing the San Francisco 49ers. A lot of big names in this game. Um, Cooper Cup, Debo, George Kittle, uh, Matt Stafford, Jeff Wilson, if you need him. I need Jeff Wilson. I need Jeff Wilson to put up a solid eight points, and then I'll go 4-0 in my leagues today. Um, other than that, like if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. Instagram is gman underscore is the man, or you can reach out to me through the spectators media, Instagram page, or TikTok, or Twitter. I'm everywhere. So, peace. My boy, G-Man, thank you so much for the time. If you guys have any questions, make sure you hit him up. He lets you know where um right before that but his instagram our instagram anywhere like that if you guys need some fantasy stuff go hit him up he's like he's had like two losses all year in like four leagues so he's he's killing it at the moment so he knows, he knows what he's doing not so much last year but this year he knows what he's doing i promise <laughs> um and so now we are kind of done with our football stuff we're gonna do like an all-encompassing part we're gonna stick with the overreactions because that's pretty fun and I'm just going to start us off here because, like I said at the top of the of the show, the MLB is about to be in the postseason. Postseason baseball, to me, 
is like the most fun playoffs because just anything can happen. Like truly, like the Royals can win a World Series. That happened. The Nationals won a World Series after being like 30 games under. It happens. So I'm really excited for it. And as of this moment, the American League is all but decided just the order is going to be a little bit different. Uh, it looks like the Rays are likely going to be the lowest wild card seed, but who's to say there's three games left? Uh, so they'll be playing the Guardians. We'll get Blue Jays, Mariners, and then the Yankees and Astros will be waiting. But the one I want to talk about, overreaction, is with this series that happened this weekend, the most important, the single most important series for the entire baseball season which is kind of wild that it comes down to this, but that's exactly what it comes down to. The New York Mets went in one game above the Atlanta Braves and then proceeded to get swept. Embarrassing. Em em embarrassing. Are the Mets, is the Mets season in danger because of this sweep? They're pretty much not going to win the division now. The Braves win one game, they win it. If the Mets lose one game, they win it. Is the Mets season as a whole, in danger, despite maybe winning 100 games? You you look at it two ways. How how are they going to react? Are they going to be dogs about it and say, okay, we got punched in the face. Now we're going to go ball out and go on a run and try to win the whole damn thing. Or are they going to fold and just end up getting knocked out in the first round and really just encompass the embarrassment that they, they had this weekend and just have a bitter taste for uh, for their fans? So I, I don't think it's going to be that. I, I do think they are going to have some pride and they'll be able to bounce back. Hopefully they might even win the division. Then you really don't care about what happened this weekend. And you go into the playoffs, new season, you start off. So Yeah, I think here's the big uh, issue with it. And then I want to hear Aiden's thoughts on this uh, in a second. But the Mets losing the division, they go from the two seed to the four seed now, right? Which is, it's not official, but it's official. They're not winning this division at this point. They go from the two seed to the four seed, which has them in a bye as the home team against the winner of the Phillies or the St. Louis Cardinals. Or now they're going to be the four seed and have to play the Padres first round, which to me, that's the scariest of the three wild cards, not named the Mets. And then if they win that, they have to go into LA where they could have been the home team and gotten Philly or the cards, and now they have to go play the Dodgers. I think that's, yeah. that's, that's a big factor that they clearly didn't think about before getting swept in the series. <laughs> but, Aiden, what are your thoughts on this? The, my thoughts are is that the Mets have the favorable matchup going into these three games that are coming up. They've got the Nationals, yep. Marlins at home against the Braves. Braves always struggle against Miami. Yep. However, the fact that it's going to be a Dodgers versus Mets NLDS instead of NLCS matchup just absolutely kills, you know, the fun of baseball. But at the same time, it could be really exciting. I think at the end of the day, it's still not an overreaction. Until they're out of the playoffs, their their season is not a bust. It doesn't matter how you get there. The end goal is to be the last team standing. And until they're eliminated, it's not a bust. I love I love that uh that way to think about it. Because, I mean, it's true. I mean, like I said, like the Royals and the Nationals have won World Series. Like, there's yeah. been really difficult routes to get there that people have taken and done it. Um, I just – they've really they really made themselves want to go through the hardest way to do it. For, for what? I'm not sure. But <laughs> they, they decided to take the difficult route. All right. I got a baseball one for you, all right? Okay. okay. The St. Louis Cardinals will be the hardest team to beat in the playoffs. I want to agree, and if you would have asked me a month ago, I would have agreed, but their bats have been kind of cold over the last two weeks. Like, they went 48 innings and scored one earned run two weeks ago. <laughs> That's not ideal. Um, no. But their relief, like their bullpen, is incredibly terrifying. Ryan Helsley is probably the best reliever in baseball this year. Uh, maybe outside of like Emmanuel Class A, he's throwing 104. Like he was throwing 101 to start the year. He's gotten better. He's throwing 104 now. Uh, Jordan Hicks has been really good. They do scare me. Obviously, they have the likely MVP on their team as well with Paul Goldschmidt. No one. They have the likely one-two finishing in Goldschmidt and Arenado. Yeah, Arenado's been fantastic too. 
So they have two really good guys over there in their infield. Tommy Edmonds had a good year. Uh, and then obviously what Pujols has done the second half, he's been the second best hitter in baseball the second half of the season, which is crazy. So they do have the offense as like guys, right? The guys are there. They've just been cold lately. And then Goldschmidt's last month and a half hasn't been anything too special. Like if anything, he's lost votes in the MVP. I think it was unanimous for about 80% of the year. And now it'll be unanimous minus two. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't hate that take. It, I don't hate it. I just, I, I think there's, I think their starting pitching is, a noticeable weakness, and despite how good Wainwright's been at times, now good Montgomery has been since they got him. Uh, those guys are not going to shut down the Braves and the Dodgers in series. You know, yeah. And that's that's yeah. my fear for that. I, I, I don't this... hate it, but um, just to piggyback off this, I actually was going to say is a no reaction that the Cardinals make it to the NLCS. So I'm I'm right there with you on this and. It's mostly off of just, like, momentum because one thing you mentioned, you got Pujols, you got Wainwright, you got Yachty. All three of them are leaving this year. Yeah. So that's going to rally the troops right there. Yeah. And momentum's a crazy thing, especially when you ride in for three dogs for yeah. your franchise. Yeah. So I'm not too worried about that they've been cold because baseball is streaky. You could be the worst team to ever touch the field. And then the next next, next week, week here, yeah. yeah, you're literally the best. Yeah. So regular season's done. You you move on to the postseason. Anything can happen. And I really do think they're gonna come into this postseason trying to do a farewell tour for their boys. Will they win the whole thing? I don't think so. But I do think they're gonna make a run. So I do think they're pretty scary. Albert and the Cardinals have something special for October Magic. They do. They always have. Yeah. David Freeze, like the, the, always the unlikely here. And I think what Brooklyn said is very true. The fact that they're playing for three of the greatest in our, of, of our generation, yeah. three, the, probably the three, three of the best Cardinals ever, three for sure, probably first ballot Hall of Famers. You don't see that every day. And they're going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder that I don't know that the Dodgers can overcome that. I don't know that the Phillies could overcome that. I don't know that certainly the Braves the or the Mets. <laughs> I, I, I don't know that the Braves or the Mets could overcome that. So at the end of the day, I I don't think it's an overreaction. I think I would not be shocked if St. Louis is hosting a World Series game. Hosting one? Okay. If they're yeah, in the yeah, World yeah, Series. Yeah, if, they're you, in, you know? if they're in one, they get it. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Okay. So I, I would like, not I be like, shocked huh. if they're okay. – <laughs> I would not be shocked if they're in the World Series because Wainwright turns up in the postseason. Yachty turns up in the postseason. Pujols turns up in the postseason. Hel- Helsley and Hicks at the back end of that bullpen will turn up. The rest of that lineup, we know what Arenado can do. We know what Goldschmidt can do. This team is a scary team, and they didn't do it building it with money. They built it from within. I, I like their story more than the Dodgers and you, the Cardinals are are going to be, you know, the team that I root for in the NL side of things. Yeah. I mean, the Dodgers story isn't fun. The Dodgers story is just really good. It's just, they got the best team maybe ever assembled, not including a Mickey Mantle and Babe Ruth on the roster. And um, they have taken care of business. They have 110 wins with four games left. Like, come on, man. And yeah, they've been they've been fantastic. Um, is it an overreaction though to say that the Dodgers should win this World Series? I know it's baseball; stuff happens. And, and haven't I'm, we been saying that for the past four seasons? Yeah, not I mean, like on, on, not like this though. Not no. not like this because we have we have said that about the Dodgers plenty of seasons, right? But like. Mookie Betts has been there, done that twice now. And Trey Turner's been there, done that. And he's having the best season of his career. And Freddie Freeman has been a freak this year. Like Nobody's talking about that. He almost has a seven war. Um, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's an overreaction, but I don't think they win it. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't think I, it's an overreaction because coming into this year with everybody on paper for that team, we said there were going to be 10 games. Yeah. The, yeah. The Dodgers were the clear favorites, so there's no need to overreact about that. I agree with Aiden. I don't think they end up winning it. I actually said at the beginning of the year that I actually think the Dodgers are going to choke it. Yeah, you thought the Mets were going to beat them. I remember that. Yeah, I I think the Dodgers are actually going to choke it in the playoffs. 
Yeah. You think they lose to the Mets? Now? Like now now that it's all said and done, they that if they're gonna meet it's in the, the DS, not the CS. Yeah. I um think, I mean it's it's possible. It it is possible well, of because it's possible. Yeah. And I mean, again, the, the Mets, hopefully they come in with some spunk and they they try to uh make up for what happened this weekend and they really uh shut down with that. Yeah, like you, your pitching is disgusting. Like these are these were the two best teams on paper for me coming into this year. So I I do think the Mets could could end up being the Dodgers okay. first round and really just shake everything up and Here's, shock everybody. Yeah, right. Here's my last overreaction that I've got for y'all. Okay. All right. Okay. The best series of the postseason will be Rays versus Yankees in the ALDS. If it happens, I agree, but I don't think it's going to happen. I actually, I, I don't think, I, I think when you get the Rays and how dog they are in the playoffs, they can do whatever in the regular season, but they're still, they're, they're still hot after 2020. And you know, they love facing the Yankees in the postseason. And, and I think yeah. that honestly, Cleveland doesn't, Cleveland doesn't scare me as a team. I think that's the problem. Cleveland doesn't scare anybody. My, my overreaction, my last one was going to be that the Guardians actually make a run. And the reason it's, it's, it's weird, right? It's because the guardians, you looked at them before the season. I don't think anybody had to make in the playoffs. I don't think anybody had them above the three seed in their division, but now here we are at the end of the, at the end of the line, they have the best bullpen in baseball. It's not even particularly close. They have the best bullpen in baseball. They have maybe the best closer in baseball outside of maybe Ryan Housley, but Emmanuel Classe, who's been just a dog for the last two, three years. Now they have two legitimate superstars. And what else, what does it take to win World Series? It takes a star to show up, and it takes a really good back end of a rotation. That's what, or not rotation, of, of a bullpen. That's what we've the, seen that it takes to make a run, and they have but, those things. But the question is, is do they have the front end that's going to survive? Like, I don't know. I have if no the idea. Rays, I mean, I go back to, you know, even though it's a one-game playoff, but I go back to the Rays against Oakland. I think it was 2019 where, you know, everyone was talking about, oh, Oakland's going to win this. And Yandy Diaz comes out and hits, you know, the Rays were up 5 nothing by that. the third inning. I remember if that. You, here's the point. You can't get to that back end of the bullpen if you can't start the game. And when the Rays get hot early, we've seen what they can do and score a lot of runs. Yeah. Is, and I mean, hey. the Rays, it helps that it's a three-game series to, like, prevent that, right? So, like, they're going to get there to some capacity in a three-game series or best of two, right? Or like first to two wins wins the series. I'm pretty sure how it goes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So I mean, if they manage to beat the Rays, you you face the Yankees, and then the front end, the Yankees give up runs, and more often than not, a lot of cases with the the pitching. So I mean, they they could they they can make a run. This this has twenty twenty playoffs sort of written all over it for the Rays, in my opinion. And, and I know you guys hate to say that, but like it's going to be a dogfight, dogfight, dogfight in every series. But the way the postseason tree is lining up, it'll be against the Yankees in the DS, against the Astros in the CS, just like 2020. And then who knows in, in, in the postseason, I think the Rays are hungry to get there. I mean, you, their minor league team, the Durham Bulls, just won their second straight championship. They've won eight in the past since they've been a Rays affiliate. Like it's, it's one of these things that the Rays have a culture of winning. They had the highest winning percentage across their minor leagues this year. So for me, even though I'm a Rays fan and I'm not trying to be Homer here, I'm talking from straight, like they have that playoff experience at every level. So it's hard for me to sit here and say that once they get to the playoffs, I don't see him doing it. And the fact that glass now is back, the fact that McClanahan is going to, is looking sharper. Rasmussen has looked great at the back end. Pete Fairbanks and his crazy eyes as a dog. I mean, you've just got so many Pete Fairbanks (laughs) is a crackhead. Yes. But you got so many pieces everywhere that at just this point, I feel confident in what the Rays bring to the postseason. And Randy Rosarena is a different animal in the postseason. Yandy Diaz you, is a different do you, animal. Okay, actual question. Do you feel confident that with how bad the Rays' offense has been probably the last month, that they can go in and score runs enough to win series? Because that's yes, my issue yes, with them. Their offense yes, has been horrible of, this year. Yes, because of the fact that I feel like every year we ask that same question, and then in October, flips a switch. Yeah, I don't think we, that's we've been asking fair, that every though, right? year because it's different guys every time. Like, yeah, 
I mean, obviously, Randy's been great in the playoffs every year so far. He's been, he's been twice. He's been great. But, like, I don't know. We'll see. I don't I, – I genuinely don't – I might be one of the only people that think this because I know, like, the Guardians are the three seeds, so in theory they should be favorited. The Rays are probably Vegas favorited. I think probably. the Guardians win this series. I do. I just – I you know what it is for me, too? The emergence of Andreas Jimenez. Andreas Jimenez – is maybe the second best singular player on the American League side of this playoffs. And that's crazy to me. Or like position player. That's crazy to me. It's Judge. I think it'll be interesting. It's Judge at one and then maybe Jimenez, maybe Altuve. It'll be an interesting series. It'll be an interesting one. Yeah. So. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Do the Mariners, last, last thing before we hop up out of here. Do the Mariners win a series? They made the playoffs. The Cal Rowley call in the home run, that was awesome. And it's a moment they'll forever remember. They broke the longest drought in professional sports. Do they win a series, though? I I think that they beat the Blue Jays. I don't think the Blue Jays have enough. I think they've been riding a lot of hot bats. And the fact of the matter is, is that I don't see their pitching being strong enough to beat a very, very good underrated Seattle Mariners lineup. I'm kind of right there. Their their rotation has been the best in baseball for the last three months as well over there in Seattle, and they have a shutdown and, closer. So, and again, momentum's crazy. I mm-hmm. I think they can get a a series off of Blue Jays, and then they're gonna hit a brick wall when they they're gonna, go to they're gonna hit a wall. <laughs> they're going to hit a wall, dude. The Astros are crazy, man. I don't see a world that the Astros aren't in the World Series again. I just yeah. don't. As Yankees fans, I don't see it, man. I just don't. They're so good. Oh, I hate yeah. them. I hate them so much. <laughs> I can't stand those pricks. Uh, Verlander's gonna win a Cy Young. I, if you guys listen not... to this podcast for months, and if you go back to the preseason, I said I want Justin Verlander on the Yankees because he's gonna come back and maybe win a Cy Young. That's the direct quote I said. And look at us now, seven months later. He's a runaway Cy Young favorite. He's going to win it. And we didn't side him, and I'm in pain. <laughs> He's going to throw a two-hitter against us in game I'm, two. Yeah, I'm, to get there. And yeah, I am not looking forward. I'm not looking forward to a potential Yankees-Astros ALCS. We're going to have 10 total it. hits. <laughs> we'll win a game, but we'll have 10 total hits. Jeez. <laughs> Oh God! All right, I think that's gonna wrap it up for today, boys. I, uh, Aiden, thank you for joining us. It's, it's always a pleasure. Uh, if you guys don't already, make sure you follow us at the Spectators Media on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, all the good stuff. Check us out on YouTube if you didn't watch this on there already. We have some stuff coming out. We have an interview coming out tomorrow with our boy Nico, so you get some Nico content. And um, I'm not sure what else we have on the, the horizon, but I know there's some stuff. We're writing some stuff. We're cooking. So thank you guys again. We'll see you next week. And I love you. Peace.